CD5. Two pixies carried Tiffany easily. She skimmed across the snow, the clan running beside her. No sun in the sky. Even on the dullest days you could generally see where the sun was, but not here. And there was something else that was strange, something she couldn't quite give a name to. This didn't feel like a real place. She didn't know why she felt that, but something was wrong with the horizon. It looked close enough to touch, which was silly. And things were not... finished. Like the trees in the forest they were heading towards, for example. A tree is a tree, she thought. Close up or far away, it's a tree. It has bark and branches and roots. And you know they're there, even if the tree is so far away it's a blob. The trees here, though, were different. She had a strong feeling that they were blobs, and were growing the roots and twigs and other details as she got closer, as if they were thinking, Oh, quick, someone's coming, look real. It was like being in a painting where the artist hadn't bothered much with the things in the distance, but had quickly rushed a bit of realness anywhere you were looking. The air was cold and dead, like the air in old cellars. The lights grew dimmer as they reached the forest. In between the trees it became blue and eerie. No birds, she thought. Stop, she said. The Pictses lowered her to the ground, but Rob anybody said, We shouldn't hang around here too long. Heads up, lads! Tiffany lifted out the toad. It blinked at the snow. Oh, Shope, it muttered. This is not good. I should be hibernating. Why is everything so strange? Can't help you there, said the toad. I just see snow. I just see ice. I just see freezing to death. I'm listening to my inner toad here. It's not that cold? Feels cold to me. The toad shut its eyes. Tiffany sighed and lowered it into her pocket. "'I'll tell you where you are,' said Rob Anybody, his eyes still scanning the blue shadows. "'You ken them wee bitty bugs that clings on to the sheeps and sucks themselves full of blood and then drop off again. This whole world is like one of them.' "'You mean like a... a tick? A parasite? A vampire? Why? It floats around until it finds a place that's weak on a world where no one's paying attention and opens a door.' Then the queen sends in her folk, for the stealing ye ken, raiding o' barns, rustling a cattle. We used to like stealing the coo beasties, said Daft Woolly. Woolly, said Rob Anybody, pointing his sword. Ye ken, I said there was times ye should think before opening your big fat gob. Aye, Rob. Weel, that was one of them times. Rob turned and looked up at Tiffany rather bashfully. Aye, we was wild champion robbers for the queen, he said. People wouldna e'en go a-hunting for fear of little men, but twas ne'er enough for her. She always wanted more. But we said it's no right to steal an old lady's only pig, or the food from them as dinny high enough to eat. A feagle has nae worries about stealing a golden cup from a rich big job, ye ken, but tucking away the... Cup an old man kept his false teeth in made them feel ashamed, they said. The knack-mack feagle would fight and steal, certainly, but who wanted to fight the weak and steal from the poor? Tiffany listened at the end of the shadowy wood, to the story of a little world where nothing grew, where no sun shone, and where everything had to come from somewhere else. It was a world that took and gave nothing back except fear. It raided, and people learned to stay in bed whenever they heard strange noises at night, because if anyone gave her trouble the Queen would control their dreams. Tiffany couldn't quite pick up how she did this, but that's where things like the Grimhounds and the Headless Horsemen came from. These dreams were more... more real. The Queen could take dreams and make them more... solid. You could step inside them and vanish. And you didn't wake up before the monsters caught up with you. The Queen's people wouldn't just take food. They'd take people, too. Like pipers, said William de Gonegal. Fairies can't make music, ye ken. She'll steal a man a war for the music he makes. And she takes children, said Tiffany. Aye, your wee brother's not the first, said Rob anybody. There's no a lot of fun and laughter here, ye ken. She thinks she's good with children. The old Kelder said she wouldn't harm him, said Tiffany. That's true, isn't it? You could read the Knack Mac Fiegel like a book, and it would be a big, simple book. With
pictures of Spot the dog and a big red ball and one or two short sentences on each page. What they were thinking turned up right there on their faces and now they were all wearing a look that said, Crivens, I hope she Disney ask us the question we didn't want to answer. That is true, isn't it? she said. Oh, aye, said Rob anybody slowly. She didn't lie to you there. The Queen'll try and be kind to him, but she doesn't know how. She's an elf. They're no very good at thinking of other people. What will happen to him if we don't get him back? Again, there was that we didn't like the way this is going look. I said, Tiffany repeated, I dare say she'll send him back in due time, said William, and he will not be any older. Nothing grows old here. Nothing grows. Nothing at all. So he'll be all right. Rob, anybody, made a noise in his throat. It sounded like a voice that was trying to say I, but was being argued with by a brain that knew the answer was no. Tell me what you're not telling me, said Tiffany. Daft Woolly was the first to speak. That's a lot of stuff, he said. For example, the melting point of lead is... Time passes slower the deeper you go into this place, said Rob, anybody quickly. Years pass like days. The Quinn'll get tired of the wee lad after a couple of months, maybe. A couple of months here you can, where the time is slow and heavy. But when he comes back into the mortal world, you'll be an old lady, or maybe you'll be deed. So if yous has bairns of your own, you'd better tell them to watch out for a wee sticky kid wandering the hills shouting for sweeties, cos that'll be their Uncle Wentworth. That wouldna be the worst of it, neither. Live in dreams for too long and you go mad. You can never wake up properly. You can never get the hang of reality again. Tiffany stared at him. It's happened before, said William. I will get him back, said Tiffany quietly. We don't doubt it, said Rob anybody. And where you go, we'll come with you. The knack, MacFeagle are a fear of nothing. A cheer went up but it seemed to Tiffany that the blue shadows sucked all the sound away. Aye, nothing except in lawyers and... <laughs> Daft Woolies tried to say before Rob managed to shut him up. Tiffany turned back to the line of hoofprints and began to walk. The snow squeaked unpleasantly underfoot. She went a little way, watching the trees get realer as she approached them, and then looked around. All the knack feagles were creeping along behind her. Rob anybody gave her a cheery nod and all her footprints had become holes in the snow with grass showing through. The trees began to annoy her. The way things changed was more frightening than any monster. You could hit a monster, but you couldn't hit a forest, and she wanted to hit something. She stopped and scraped some snow away from the base of a tree, and just for a moment there was nothing but greyness where it had been. As she watched, the bark grew down to where the snow was. Then it just stayed there pretending it had been there all the time. It was a lot more worrying than the grim hounds. They were just monsters. They could be beaten. This was frightening. She was second thinking again. She felt the fear grow. She felt her stomach become a red-hot lump. She felt her elbows begin to sweat. But it was not connected. She watched herself being frightened, and that meant that there was still this part of herself, the watching part, that wasn't. The trouble was, it was being carried on legs that were. It had to be very careful. And that was where it went wrong. Fear gripped her all at once. She was in a strange world with monsters being followed by hundreds of little blue thieves and black dogs, headless horsemen, monsters in the river, sheep whizzing backwards across fields, voices under the bed. The terror took her, but because she was Tiffany, she ran towards it, raising the pan. She had to get through the forest, find the Queen, get her brother, leave this place. Somewhere behind her, voices started to shout. She woke up. There was no snow, but there was the whiteness of the bedsheet and the plaster ceiling of her bedroom. She stared at it for a while, and then leaned down and peered under the bed. There was nothing there but the gazunder. When she flung open the door of the doll's house, there was no one inside but the two toy soldiers and the teddy bear and the headless dolly. The walls were solid. The floor creaked like it always did. Her slippers were the same as they always were, old, 
comfortable, and with all the pink fluff worn off. She stood in the middle of the floor and said very quietly, Is there anybody there? Sheep barred on the distant hillside, but they probably hadn't heard her. The door squeaked open, and the cat Ratbag came in. He rubbed up against her legs, purring like a distant thunderstorm, and then went and curled up on her bed. Tiffany got dressed thoughtfully, daring the room to do something strange. When she got downstairs, breakfast was cooking. Her mother was busy at the sink. Tiffany darted out through the scullery and into the dairy. She scrambled on hands and knees around the floor, peering under the sink and behind cupboards. "'You can come out now, honestly,' she said. No one came. She was alone in the room. She'd often been alone in the room, and had enjoyed it. It was almost her private territory, but now, somehow, it was too empty, too clean. When she wandered back into the kitchen, her mother was still standing by the sink, washing dishes, but a plate of steaming porridge had been put down in the one set place on the table. "'I'll make some more butter today,' said Tiffany, carefully sitting down. "'I might as well while we're getting all this milk.' Her mother nodded, and put a plate on the draining board beside the sink. "'I haven't done anything wrong, have I?' said Tiffany. Her mother shook her head. Tiffany sighed. And then she woke up, and it was all a dream. It was just about the worst ending you could have to any story. But it had all seemed so real. She could remember the smoky smell in the Pictses' cave, and the way... who was it? Oh, yes, he'd been called Rob Anybody, the way Rob Anybody had always been so nervous about talking to her. It was strange, she thought, that Ratbag had rubbed up against her. He'd sleep on her bed if he could get away with it, but during the day he kept well out of Tiffany's way. How odd. There was a rattling noise near the mantelpiece. The china shepherdess on Granny's shelf was moving sideways of its own accord, and as Tiffany watched with her porridge spoon halfway to her mouth, it slid off and smashed on the floor. The rattling went on. Now it was coming from the big oven. She could see the door actually shaking on the hinges. She turned to her mother and saw her put another plate down by the sink. But it wasn't being held in her hand. The oven door burst open and slid across the floor. Dinny eat the porridge!' Nack Mac Feagles spilled out into the room, hundreds of them pouring across the tiles. The walls were shifting, the floor moved, and now the thing turning around at the sink was not even human, but just... stuff, no more human than a gingerbread man, grey as old dough, changing shape as it lumbered towards Tiffany. The Pictses surged past her in a flurry of snow. She looked up at the thing's tiny black eyes. The scream came from somewhere deep inside. There was no second thought, no first thought, just a scream. It seemed to spread out as it left Tiffany's mouth until it became a black tunnel in front of her, and as she fell into it she heard, in the commotion behind her, "'Who do you think you're looking at, pal? Crivens, but you're going to get such a kicking!' Tiffany opened her eyes. She was lying on damp ground in the snowy, gloomy wood. Pictures were watching her carefully, but, she saw, there were others behind them staring outwards, into the gloom amongst the tree trunks. There was... Stuff in the trees. Lumps of stuff. It was grey and hung there like old cloth. She turned her head and saw William standing beside her, looking at her with concern. That was a dream, wasn't it? she said. We'll know, said William. It was, and there again it was, nay. Tiffany sat up suddenly, causing the Pixies to leap back. But that thing was in it, and then you all came out of the oven, she said. You were in my dream. "'What is was that creature?' "'William the Gonagall stared at her as if trying to make up his mind. "'That was what we call a drome,' he said. "'Nothing here really belongs here, remember. "'Everything is a reflection from outside, "'or something kidnapped from another world, "'or maybe something the Queen has made out of magic. "'It was hiding in the trees, "'and you were going so fast you didn't see it. "'You can spiders.' "'Of course.' Well, spiders spin webs, drones spin dreams. It's easy in this place. The world you come from is nearly real. This place is nearly unreal, so it's almost a dream anywhere. And the drone makes a dream for you We a trap in it. If you eat anything in the dream, you'll never want to leave it. 
he looked as though Tiffany should have been impressed. "'What's in it for the drome?' she asked. "'It likes watching dreams. It has fun watching you have fun. And it'll watch you eating dream food until you starve to death. Then the drome will eat you. Not right to we, of course. It'll wait until you've gone a wee bit runny, because it has ni teeth.' "'So how can anyone get out?' "'The best way is to find the drome,' said Rob anybody. "'It'll be in the dream with you in disguise. "'Then you just give it a good kicking. "'By kicking, you mean, chopping its heat off generally works.' "'Now,' Tiffany thought, "'I am impressed. "'I wish I wasn't. "'And this is fairyland,' she said. "'Aye, you could say it's the bit the tourists dinna see,' said William. "'And you did well.' "'You are fighting it. You knew it was near right.' Tiffany remembered the friendly cat and the falling shepherdess. She'd been trying to send messages to herself. She should have listened. "'Thank you for coming after me,' she said meekly. "'How did you do it?' "'Ach, we can generally find a way into anywhere, even a dream,' said William, smiling. "'We are a stealing folk, after all.' A piece of the drone fell out of the tree and flopped onto the snow. "'One of them won't get me again,' said Tiffany. "'Aye, I believe you. "'You have murder in your eyes,' said William, with a touch of admiration. "'If I was a drome, I'd be pretty fearful new if I had a brain. "'There'd be more of them, mark you, and some of them are cunning. "'The Queen uses them as guards. "'I won't be fooled.' "'Tiffany remembered the horror of the moment when the thing had lumbered around, changing shape. "'It was worse, because it was in her house, her place.' She'd felt real terror as the big shapeless thing crashed across the kitchen, but the anger had been there too. It was invading her place. The thing wasn't just trying to kill her, it was insulting her. William was watching her. "'Aye, you're looking mighty fierce,' he said. "'You must love your wee brother to face all these monsters for him.' And Tiffany couldn't stop her thoughts. "'I don't love him. Why, no, I don't.' He's just so sticky and can't keep up, and I have to spend too much time looking after him, and he's always screaming for things. I can't talk to him, he just wants all the time. But her second thinking said, He's mine. My place, my home, my brother. How dare anything touch what's mine? She'd been brought up not to be selfish. She knew she wasn't, not in the way people meant. She tried to think of other people. She never took the last slice of bread. This was a different feeling. She wasn't being brave or noble or kind. She was doing this because it had to be done, because there was no way that she could not do it. She thought of... Granny Aching's light, weaving slowly across the downs on freezing, sparkly nights, or in storms like a raging war, saving lambs from the freezing frost or rams from the precipice. She froze and struggled and tramped through the night for idiot sheep that never said thank you and would probably be just as stupid tomorrow and get into the same trouble again. And she did it because not doing it was unthinkable. There had been the time when they met the peddler and the donkey in the lane. It was a small donkey and could hardly be seen under the pack he'd piled on it, and he was thrashing it because it had fallen over. Tiffany had cried to see that, and Granny had looked at her and then said something to thunder and lightning. The peddler had stopped when he heard the growling. The sheepdogs had taken up position on either side of the man, so that he couldn't quite see them both at once. He'd raised his stick as if to hit lightning, and thunder's growl grew louder. "'I'd advise you not to do that,' said Granny. He wasn't a stupid man. The eyes of the dogs were like steel balls. He lowered his arm. "'Now throw down the stick,' said Granny. The man did so, dropping it into the dust as though it had suddenly grown red-hot. Granny, aching, walked forward and picked it up. Tiffany remembered that it was a willow twig, long and whippy. Suddenly, so fast that her hand was a blur, Granny sliced it across the man's face twice, leaving two long red marks. He began to move and some desperate thought must have saved him because now the dogs were almost frantic for the command to leap. "'Hurts, don't it?' said Granny pleasantly. "'Now I knows who you are, and I reckon you knows who I am. "'You sell pots and pans, and they ain't bad, as I recall. 
But if I put out the word you'll have no business in my hills, be told, better to feed your beast than whip it. You hear me? With his eyes shut and his hands shaking, the man nodded. That'll do, said Granny, aching. And instantly the dogs became once more two ordinary sheepdogs who came and sat either side of her with their tongues hanging out. Tiffany watched the man unpack some of the load and strap it to his own back, and then with great care urged the donkey on along the road. Granny watched him go while filling her pipe with Jolly Sailor. Then as she lit it she said, as if the thought had just occurred to her, "'Them as can do has to do for them as can't, "'and someone has to speak up for them as has no voices.' "'Tiffany thought, "'Is this what being a witch is? "'It wasn't what I expected. "'When do the good bits happen?' "'She stood up. "'Let's keep going,' she said. "'Aren't you tired?' said Rob. "'We're going to keep going. "'Aye, well, she's probably heading for her place beyond the wood.' If we dinny carry her, it'll take about a couple of hours. I'll walk. The memory of the huge dead face of the drome was trying to come back into her mind, but fury gave it no space. Where is the frying pan? Thank you. Let's go. She set off through the strange trees. The hoof prints almost glowed in the gloom. Here and there other tracks crossed them. Tracks that could have been birds' feet. Rough, round footprints that could have been made by anything. Squiggly lines that a snake might make if there were such things as snow snakes. The Pictses were running in line with her on either side. Even with the edge of the fury dying away, it was hard looking at things here without her head aching. Things that seemed far off got closer too quickly. Trees changed shape as she passed them. Almost unreal, William had said. Nearly a dream. The world didn't have enough reality in it for distances and shapes to work, probably. Once again the magic artist was painting madly. If she looked hard at a tree, it changed and became more tree-like and less like something drawn by Wentworth with his eyes shut. This is a made-up world, Tiffany thought, almost like a story. The trees don't have to be very detailed because who looks at trees in a story? She stopped in a small clearing and stared hard at a tree. It seemed to know it was being watched. It became more real. The bark roughened, and proper twigs grew on the end of the branches. The snow was melting around her feet, too, although melting was the wrong word. It was just disappearing, leaving leaves and grass. If I was a world that didn't have enough reality to go around, Tiffany thought, then snow would be quite handy. It doesn't take a lot of effort. It's just white stuff. Everything looks white and simple. But I can make it complicated. I'm more real than this place. She heard a buzzing overhead and looked up, and suddenly the air was filling with small people, smaller than the feagle with wings like dragonflies. There was a golden glow around them. Tiffany, entranced, reached out a hand. At the same moment, what felt like the entire clan of Nack Mac Feagle landed on her back and sent her sliding into a snowdrift. When she struggled out, the clearing was a battlefield. The Pictses were jumping and slashing at the flying creatures, which were buzzing around them like wasps. As she stared, two of them dived on to rob anybody and lifted him off his feet by his hair. He rose in the air, yelling and struggling. Tiffany leapt up and grabbed him round the waist, flailing at the creatures with her other hand. They let go of the Pictsy and dodged easily, zipping through the air as fast as hummingbirds. One of them bit her on the finger before buzzing away. Somewhere a voice went, Rob struggled in Tiffany's grip. Quick, put me down, he yelled. There's gonna be poetry. Chapter 9 Lost Boys The moan rolled around the clearing, as mournful as a month of Mondays. It sounded like some animal in terrible pain, but it was... In fact, not as big as medium-sized Jock, but bigger than wee Jock Jock, who was standing on a snowdrift with one hand pressed to his heart and the other outstretched very theatrically. He was rolling his eyes, too. Ooh! Ach, the muse is a terrible thing to have happen to you, said Rob Anybody, putting his hands over his ears. 
Oh, it is with great lamentation and much worrying dismay, the Pictsy ground, that we regard the doleful prospect of fairyland in considerable decay. In the air, the flying creatures stopped attacking and began to panic. Some of them flew into one another. With quite a large number of dreadful incidents happening every day, not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than we jock jock recited, including, I am sorry to say, an aerial attack by the otherwise quite attractive fay. The flyers screeched. Some crashed into the snow, but the ones still capable of flight swarmed off amongst the trees. Witnessed by all of us at this time, and celebrated in this hasty rhyme, not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than we jock jock shouted after them. And they were gone. Feagles were picking themselves up off the ground. Some were bleeding where the fairies had bitten them. Several were lying curled up and groaning. Tiffany looked at her own finger. The bite of the fairy had left two tiny holes. "'It isn't too bad,' Robert anybody shouted up from below. "'No one was taken by them, just a few cases where the lads didn't put the hands over the ears in time.' "'Are they all right?' "'Oh, they'll be fine with counselling.' On the mound of snow, William clapped not as big as medium-sized Jock, but bigger than we Jock Jock on the shoulder in a friendly way. "'That lad,' he said proudly, "'was some of the worst poetry I've heard in a long time. "'It was offensive to the ear and a torture to the soul.' The last couple of lines need some work, but you has the groaning of fine. I know a very commendable effort. We'll make a gonagal out of you yet. Not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than we jock jock blushed happily. In fairylands, words really have power, Tiffany thought, and I am more real. I'll remember that. The Pictses assembled into battle order again, although it was pretty disorderly, and set off. Tiffany didn't rush too far ahead this time. "'That's your little people with wings,' said Rob, as Tiffany sucked at her finger. "'Are you happier now?' "'Why were they trying to carry you away?' "'Ach, they carries their victims off to their nest, where they're young ones.' "'Stop,' said Tiffany. "'This is going to be horrible, right?' "'Why, gruesome,' said Rob, grinning. "'And you used to live here?' "'Ah, but it wasn't so bad then. "'It wasn't perfect, you mark you, but the queen wasn't as cold in them days. "'The king was still ruined.' She was always happy then. What happened? Did the king die? No, they had words, if you take my meaning, said Rob. Oh, you mean like an argument? A bit, maybe, said Rob. But they was magical words. Forests destroyed, mountains exploding. A few hundred deaths, that kind of thing. And he went off to his own world. Fairyland was never a picnic, you can, even in the old days. But it was fine if you kept alert. And there was flowers and buddies and summertime. Now there's the drones and the hounds and the stinging fay and such stuff creeping in from their own worlds, and the whole place has gone doon the lavy. Things taken from their own worlds, thought Tiffany as she tramped through the snow. Worlds all squashed together like peas in a sack or hidden inside one another like bubbles inside other bubbles. She had a picture in her head of things creeping out of their own world and into another in the same way that mice invaded the larder. Only there were worse things than mice. What would a drone do if it got into our world? You'd never know it was there. It'd sit in the corner and you'd never see it, because it wouldn't let you. And it'd change the way you saw the world, give you nightmares, make you want to die. Her second thoughts added, I wonder how many have got in already and we don't know. And I'm in fairyland where dreams can hurt. Somewhere all stories are real, all songs are true, I thought that was a strange thing for the Kelder to say. Tiffany's second thought said, Hang on, was that a first thought? And Tiffany thought, No, that was a third thought. I'm thinking about how I think about what I'm thinking. At least, I think so. Her second thoughts said, Let's all calm down, please, because this is quite a small head. The forest went on, or perhaps it was a small forest and somehow moved around them as they walked. This was fairyland, after all. You couldn't trust it. And the snow still vanished where Tiffany walked, and she only had to look at a tree for it to smarten up and make an effort to look like a real tree. The Queen is... well, a Queen, Tiffany thought. She's got a world of her own. She could do anything with it. And all she does is steal things, mess up people's lives. There was the thud of hoofbeats in the distance. It's her. What shall I do? What shall I say? The knack-mack feagles leapt behind the trees. 
Come a wheel to the path, hissed Rob anybody. She might still have him, said Tiffany, gripping the pan handle nervously and staring at the blue shadows between the trees. So we'll find a war to steal him. She's the queen, you cannot beat the queen face to face. The hoofbeats were louder, and now it sounded as though there was more than one animal. A stag appeared through the trees, steam pouring off it. It stared at Tiffany with wild red eyes, and then, bunching up, leapt over her. She smelled the stink of it as she ducked. She felt its sweat on her neck. It was a real animal. You couldn't imagine a reek like that. And here came the dogs. The first one she caught with the edge of the pan, bowling it over. The other turned to snap at her, then looked down in amazement as Pictses erupted from the snow under each paw. It was hard to bite anyone when all four of your feet were moving away in different directions, and then other Pictses landed on its head and biting anything ever again soon became... impossible. The Knack Mac Fiegel hated Grimhounds. Tiffany looked up at a white horse. That was real too, as far as she could tell, and there was a boy on it. "'Who are you?' he said. He made it sound like, what sort of thing are you? Who are you? said Tiffany, pushing her hair out of her eyes. It was the best she could do right now. This is my forest, said the boy. I command you to do what I say. Tiffany peered at him. The dull, second-hand light of fairyland was not very good, but the more she looked, the more certain she was. Your name is Roland, isn't it? she said. You will not speak to me like that. Yes, it is. "'You're the Baron's son. "'I demand that you stop talking.' "'The boy's expression was strange now, "'creased up and pink, "'as if he was trying not to cry. "'He raised his hand with a riding-whip in it. "'There was a very faint thwop. "'Tiffany glanced down. "'The knack mac had formed a pile under the horse's belly, "'and one of them, climbing up on their shoulders, "'had just cut through the saddle-girth. "'She held up a hand quickly. "'Stand still!' she shouted, trying to sound commanding. "'If you move, you'll fall off your horse.' "'Is that a spell? Are you a witch?' "'The boy dropped the whip and pulled a long dagger from his belt. "'Death to witches!' "'He urged the horse forward with a jerk, "'and then there was one of those long moments, "'a moment when the whole universe said, "Uh "'Uh-oh!' "'And, still holding the dagger, "'the boy swivelled around the horse and landed in the snow. "'Tiffany knew what would happen next. "'Rob anybody's voice echoed among the trees.' "'You're in trouble now, pal. Get him!' "'No!' Tiffany cried. "'Get away from him!' The boy scrambled backwards, staring at Tiffany in horror. "'I do know you,' she said. "'Your name is Roland. You're the Baron's son. "'They said you'd died in a forest. "'You mustn't talk about that. Why not? "'Bad things happen.' "'They are already happening,' said Tiffany. "'Look, I'm here to rescue my—' "'But the boy had got to his feet and was running back through the forest. "'He turned and shouted, "'Get away from me!' Tiffany ran after him, jumping over snow-covered logs, and saw him ahead, dodging from tree to tree. Then he paused and looked back. She ran up to him, saying, "'I know how to get you out!' and danced. She was holding the hand of a parrot, or at least someone with the head of a parrot. Her feet moved under her perfectly. They twirled her around, and this time her hand was caught by a peacock, or at least someone with the head of a peacock.' She glanced over his shoulder and saw that she was now in a room, no, a ballroom, full of masked people dancing. Ah, she thought, another dream. I should have looked where I was going. The music was strange. There was a kind of rhythm to it, but it sounded muffled and odd, as if it was being played backwards, underwater, by musicians who'd never seen their instruments before. And she hoped the dancers were wearing masks, She realised she was looking through the eye-holes of one and wondered what she was. She was also wearing a long dress, which glittered. Okay, she thought carefully. There was a drone there, and I didn't stop to look. And now I'm in a dream, but it's not mine. It must make use of what it finds in your head, and I've never been to anything like this. said the peacock. The voice was like the music. It sounded almost like a voice, but it wasn't. Oh, yes, said Tiffany. Fine. Huh? Oh, er, woof, 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 woof. This seemed to work. The peacock-headed dancer bobbed a little bow, said, woof, 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 sadly, and wandered off. Somewhere in here is the drome, said Tiffany to herself, and it must be a pretty good one. This is a big dream. 
Little things were wrong, though. There were hundreds of people in the room, but the ones in the distance, although they were moving about in quite a natural way, seemed the same as the trees, blobs and swirls of colour. You had to look hard to notice this, though. First sight, Tiffany thought. People in brilliant costumes and still more masks walked arm in arm past her, as if she were just another guest. Those that weren't joining the new dance were heading for the long tables at one side of the hall, which were piled with food. Tiffany had only seen such food in pictures. People didn't starve on the farm, but even when food was plentiful at Hogswatch or after harvest, it never looked like this. The farm food was mostly shades of white or brown. It was never pink and blue and never wobbled. There were things on sticks and things that gleamed and glistened in bowls. Nothing was simple. Everything had cream on it or chocolate whirls or thousands of little coloured balls. Everything was spun or glazed or added to or mixed up. This wasn't food. It was what food became if it had been good and had gone to food heaven. It wasn't just for eating. It was for show. It was piled up against mounds of greenery and enormous arrangements of flowers. Here and there, huge transparent carvings were landmarks in this landscape of food. Tiffany reached up and touched a glittering cockerel. It was ice, damp under her fingertips. There were others, too, a jolly fat man, a bowl of fruits all carved in ice, a swan. Tiffany was, for a moment, tempted. It seemed a very long time since she had eaten anything. But the food was too obviously not food at all. It was bait. It was supposed to say... "'Hello, little kitty. Eat me.' "'I'm getting the hang of this,' thought Tiffany. "'Good job the creature didn't think of cheese.' "'And there was cheese. "'Suddenly, cheese had always been there. "'She'd seen pictures of lots of different cheeses in the almanac. "'She was good at cheese and had always wondered what the others tasted like. "'They were faraway cheeses with strange-sounding names. "'Cheeses like Treble Wibbly, Wainy Tasty, Old Arg.' Red Runny, and the legendary Lanker Blue, which had to be nailed to the table to stop it attacking other cheeses. Just a taste wouldn't hurt, surely. It wasn't the same as eating, was it? After all, she was in control, wasn't she? She'd seen right through the dream straight away, hadn't she? So it couldn't have any effect, could it? And, well, cheese was hardly temptation for anyone. OK, the drone must have put the cheese in as soon as she'd thought of it, but... She was already holding the cheese knife. She didn't quite remember picking it up. A drop of cold water landed on her hand. It made her glance up at the nearest glittering ice carving. Now it was a shepherdess, with a saddlebag dress and a big bonnet. Tiffany was sure it had been a swan when she'd looked at it before. The anger came back. She'd nearly been fooled. She looked at the cheese knife. Be a sword, she said. After all, the drone was making her dream, but she was doing the dreaming. She was real. Part of her wasn't asleep. There was a clang. Correction, said Tiffany. Be a sword that isn't so heavy. And this time she got something she could actually hold. There was a rustling in the greenery, and a red-haired face poked out. Psst, it whispered. Dinny eat the canopies. You're a bit late. Ach, weel, it's a cunning old drone you're dealing with here, said Rob anybody. The dream wouldn't let us in unless we was properly dressed. He stepped out, looking very sheepish, in a black suit with a bow tie. There was more rustling, and other Pictses pushed their way out of the greenery. They looked a bit like red-headed penguins. Properly dressed, said Tiffany. Aye, said Duft Woolly, who had a piece of lettuce on his head. And these trousers are a wee bit chafing around the nethers, I don't mind telling you. "'Have you spotted the creature yet?' said Rob Anybody. "'No, it's so crowded.' "'We'll help you look,' said Rob Anybody. "'The thing canny hide if you're right up close. "'Be careful, mind you. "'If it thinks you're going to whop it one, "'there's nay telling what it'll try. "'Spread out, lads, and pretend you're enjoying the keely.' "'What? "'Do you mean get drunk and fight and that?' said Daft Woolly. "'Crivens, you wouldn't believe it,' said Rob Anybody, rolling his eyes. "'Nay, you puddin'!' "'This is a posh party again. "'That means you make small talk and mingle.' "'Ach, I'm a famous mingler. "'They won't even know we're here,' said Daft Woolly. "'Come on.' Even in a dream, even at a posh ball, the knack-mack feagle knew how to behave. You charged in madly and you screamed politely. 
Lovely weather for the time of year, is it not, ye wee scunner? Hey, Jimmy, I ain't no got a pom frite for an old pal. The band is playing divinely, I didn't think. Make my caviar deep-fried, will ye? There was something wrong with the crowd. No one was panicking or trying to run away, which was certainly the right response to an invasion of feagles. Tiffany set off again to the crowd. The masked people at the party paid her no attention either. And that's because they're background people, she thought, just like the background trees. She walked along the room to a pair of double doors and pulled them open. There was nothing but blackness beyond it. So, the only way out was to find the drome. She hadn't really expected anything else. It could be anywhere. It could be behind a mask. It could be a table. It could be anything. Tiffany stared at the crowd, and it was then she saw Roland. He was sitting at a table by himself. It was spread with food, and he had a spoon in his hand. She ran over and knocked it onto the floor. "'Haven't you got any sense at all?' she said, pulling him upright. "'Do you want to stay here forever?' And then she felt the movement behind her. Later on she was sure she hadn't heard anything. She'd just known. It was a dream, after all. She glanced around, and there was the drome. It was almost hidden behind a pillar. Roland just stared at her. "'Are you all right?' said Tiffany desperately, trying to shake him. "'Have you eaten anything?' "'Fo, fo, fo,' murmured the boy." Tiffany turned back to the drome. It was moving towards her, but very slowly, trying to stay in the shadows. It looked like a little snowman made of dirty snow. The music was getting louder. The candles were getting brighter. Out on the huge dance floor, the animal-headed couples whirled faster and faster, and the floor shook. The dream was in trouble. The knack-mack feagles were running to her from every part of the floor, trying to be heard above the din. The drone was lurching towards her, podgy white fingers grasping the air. First sight, breathed Tiffany. She cut Roland's head off. The snow had melted all across the clearing, and the trees looked real and properly tree-like. In front of Tiffany, the drone fell backwards. She was holding the old frying pan in her hand, but it had cut beautifully. Odd things, dreams. She turned and faced Roland, who was staring at her with a face so pale he might as well have been a drome. It was frightened, she said. It wanted me to attack you instead. It tried to look like you and made you look like a drome. But it didn't know how to speak. You do. You might have killed me, he said hoarsely. No, said Tiffany. I just explained. Please don't run away. Have you seen a baby boy here? Roland's face wrinkled. What? he said. "'The Queen took him,' said Tiffany. "'I'm going to fetch him home. "'I'll take you too, if you like.' "'You'll never get away,' whispered Roland. "'I got in, didn't I?' "'Getting in is easy. "'No one gets out.' "'I mean to find a way,' said Tiffany, "'trying to sound a lot more confident than she felt. "'She won't let you!' "'Roland started to back away again. "'Please don't be so... "'so stupid,' said Tiffany. "'I'm going to find the Queen and get my brother back, whatever you say. Understand? I've got this far, and I've got help, you know.' "'Where?' said Roland. Tiffany looked around. There was no sign of the knack feagles. "'They always turn up,' she said, "'just when I need them.' It struck her that there was suddenly something very empty about the forest. It seemed colder, too. "'They'll be here any minute,' she added, hopefully. "'They got trapped in the dream.' said Roland flatly. They can't have. I killed a drome. It's more complicated than that, said the boy. You don't know what it's like here. There's dreams inside dreams. There's other things that live inside dreams, horrible things. You never know if you've really woken up. And the Queen controls them all. They're fairy people anyway. You can't trust them. You can't trust anyone. I don't trust you. You're probably just another dream.' He turned his back and walked away, following the line of hoofprints. Tiffany hesitated. The only other real person was going away, leaving her here with nothing but the trees and the shadows. And, of course, anything horrible that was running towards her through them. Erm, she said. Hello? Rob anybody? William? Daff Woolly? There was no reply. There wasn't even an echo. She was alone, apart from her heartbeats. Well, of course she'd fought things and won, hadn't she? But the knack mac had been there, and somehow that had made it easy. 
They never gave up. They'd attack absolutely anything, and they didn't know the meaning of the word fear. Tiffany, who had read her way through the dictionary, had a second thought there. Fear was only one of thousands of words the Pictsies probably didn't know the meaning of. Unfortunately, she did know what it meant, and the taste and feel of fear, too. She felt it now. She gripped the pan. It didn't seem quite such a good weapon any more. The cold blue shadows between the trees seemed to be spreading out. They were darkest ahead of her, where the hoof-prints led. Strangely enough, the wood behind her seemed almost light and inviting. Someone doesn't want me to go on, she thought. That was quite encouraging. But the twilight was misty and shimmered unpleasantly. Anything could be waiting. She was waiting too. She realised that she was waiting for the knack feagles, hoping against hope that she'd hear a sudden cry, even of Crivens. She was sure it was a swear word. She pulled out the toad, which lay snoring on the palm of her hand, and gave it a prod. Hmm, what? It croaked. I'm stuck in a wood of evil dreams, and I'm all alone, and I think it's getting darker, said Tiffany. What should I do? The toad opened one bleary eye and said, Leave. That is not a lot of help. "'Best advice there is,' said the toad. "'Now put me back. The cold makes me lethargic.' Reluctantly, Tiffany put the creature back in her apron pocket, and her hand touched diseases of the sheep. She pulled it out and opened it at random. There was a cure for the steams, but it had been crossed out in pencil. Written in the margin in Granny Aching's big, round, careful handwriting was, "'This don't work. One dessert spoonful of turpentine do.' Tiffany closed the book with care and put it back gently so as not to disturb the sleeping toad. Then, gripping the pan's handle tightly, she stepped into the long blue shadows. How do you get shadows when there's no sun in the sky, she thought, because it was better to think about things like this than all the other much worse things that were on her mind. But these shadows didn't need light to create them. They crawled around on the snow of their own accord and backed away when she walked towards them. That, at least, was a relief. They piled up behind her. They were following her. She turned and stamped her foot a few times, and they scurried off behind the trees, but she knew they were flowing back when she wasn't looking. She saw a drome in the distance ahead of her, standing half-hidden behind a tree. She screamed at it and waved the pan threateningly, and it lumbered off quickly. When she looked round, she saw two more behind her a long way back. The track led uphill a little, into what looked like a much thicker mist. It glowed faintly. She headed for it. There was no other way to go. When she reached the top of the rise, she looked down into a shallow valley. There were four dromes in it, big ones, bigger than any she's seen so far. They were sitting down in a square, their dumpy legs stretched out in front of them. Each one had a gold collar around its neck, attached to a chain. Tame ones, Tiffany wondered aloud, but who could put a collar round the neck of a drome? Only someone who could dream as well as they could. We tamed the sheepdogs to help us herd sheep, she thought. The queen uses dromes to herd dreams. In the centre of the square formed by the dromes, the air was full of mist. The hoof tracks and the tracks of Roland led down past the tamed dromes and into the cloud. Tiffany spun around. The shadows darted back. There was nothing else nearby. No birds sang, nothing moved in the woods but she could make out three more dromes now, their big, round, soggy faces peering at her around tree trunks. She was being herded now. At a time like this, it would be nice to have someone around to say something like, No, it's too dangerous, don't do it! Unfortunately, there wasn't. She was going to commit an act of extreme bravery, and no one would know if it all went wrong. That was frightening, but also annoying. That was it. Annoying. This place annoyed her. It was all stupid and strange. It was the same feeling she'd had when Jenny had leapt out of the river, out of her river, and the Queen had taken her brother. Maybe it was selfish to think like that, but anger was better than fear. Fear was a damp, cold mess, but anger had an edge. She could use it. They were herding her, like a sheep. Well, an angry sheep could send a vicious dog away whimpering. So, four big dromes sitting in a square. It was going to be a big dream. 
raising the pan to shoulder height to swipe at anything that came near and suppressing a dreadful urge to go to the toilet, Tiffany walked slowly down the slope, across the snow, through the mist and into summer. Chapter 10 Masterstroke The heat struck like a blow-lamp, so sharp and sudden that she gasped. She'd had sunstroke once, up on the downs, when she'd gone without a bonnet. And this was like that. The world around her was in worrying shades of dull green, yellow and purple, without shadows. The air was so full of heat that she felt she could squeeze smoke out of it. She was in reeds, they looked like, much taller than her, with sunflowers growing in them, except the sunflowers were white, because they weren't, in fact, sunflowers at all. They were daisies. She knew it. She'd stared at them dozens of times in that strange picture in the fairy tales. They were daisies, and these weren't giant reeds around her. They were blades of grass, and she was very, very small. She was in the weird picture. The picture was the dream, or the dream was the picture. Which way round didn't matter, because she was right in the middle of it. If you fell off a cliff, it wouldn't matter if the ground was rushing up or you were rushing down. You were in trouble either way. Somewhere in the distance there was a loud crack and a ragged cheer. Someone clapped and said in a sleepy sort of voice, "'Well done, good man, very well done.' With some effort, Tiffany pushed her way between the blades of grass. On a flat rock, a man was cracking nuts half as big as he was with a two-handed hammer. He was being watched by a crowd of people. Tiffany used the word people because she couldn't think of anything else that was suitable, but it was stretching the word a bit to make it fit all the... people. They were different sizes, for one thing. Some of the men were taller than her, even if you allowed for the fact that everyone was shorter than the grass, but others were tiny. Some of them had faces that you wouldn't look at twice. Others had faces that no one would want to look at even once. This is a dream, after all, Tiffany told herself. It doesn't have to make sense or be nice. It's a dream, not a daydream. People who say things like, may all your dreams come true, should try living in one for five minutes. She stepped out into the bright, stiflingly hot clearing, just as the man raised his hammer again and said, excuse me. Yes, he said. Is there a queen round here? said Tiffany. The man wiped his forehead and nodded towards the other side of the clearing. Her Majesty has gone to her bar, he said. "'That being a nook or resting place?' said Tiffany. "'The man nodded and said, "'Correct again, Miss Tiffany.' "'Don't ask how he knows your name,' Tiffany told herself. "'Thank you,' she said. "'And because she had been brought up to be polite, she added, "'Best of luck with the nutcracking.' "'This one's the toughest yet,' said the man. "'Tiffany walked off, "'trying to look as if this collection of strange nearly people "'was just another crowd. "'Probably the scariest ones were the big women, two of them.' Big women were valued on the chalk. Farmers liked big wives. Farm work was hard, and there was no call for a wife who couldn't carry a couple of piglets or a bale of hay. But these two could have carried a horse each. They stared haughtily at her as she walked past. They had tiny, stupid little wings on their backs. "'Nice day for watching Nutch being cracked,' said Tiffany cheerfully as she went past. Their huge, pale faces wrinkled, as if they were trying to work out what she was.' Sitting down near them, watching the nutcracker with an expression of concern, was a little man with a large head, a fringe of white beard and pointy ears. He was wearing very old-fashioned clothes, and his eyes followed Tiffany as she went past. "'Good morning,' she said. "'Sneebs!' he said, and in her head appeared the words, "'Get away from here.' "'Excuse me,' she said. "'Sneebs!' said the man, wringing his hands, and the words appeared floating in her brain. It's terribly dangerous. He waved a pale hand as if to brush her away. Shaking her head, Tiffany walked on. There were lords and ladies, people in fine clothes and even a few shepherds, but some of them had a pieced-together look. They looked, in fact, like a picture book back in her bedroom. It was made of thick card, worn raggedy-edged by generations of aching children. Each page showed a character, and each was cut into four strips that could be turned over independently. The point of the whole thing was that a bored child could turn over parts of the pages and change the way the characters were dressed. You could end up with a soldier's head on a baker's chest, wearing a maid's dress and a farmer's big boots. 
Tiffany had never been bored enough. She considered that even things that spend their whole lives hanging from the underside of branches would never be bored enough to spend more than five seconds with that book. The people around her looked either as though they'd been taken from that book or had dressed for a fancy dress party in the dark. One or two of them nodded to her as she passed, but didn't seem surprised to see her. She ducked under a round leaf much bigger than she was and took out the toad again. "'What? and still cold!' said the toad, hunching down on her hand. "'Cold? The air is baking.' "'There's just snow,' said the toad. "'Put me back. I'm freezing.' "'Just a minute,' thought Tiffany. "'Do toads dream?' she said. "'No.' "'Oh, so it's not really hot?' "'No, you just think it is.' "'Psst!' said a voice. "'Tiffany put the toad away and wondered if she dared turn her head. "'It's me!' said the voice. "'Tiffany turned towards a clump of daisies twice the height of a man. "'That's not a lot of help. "'Are you mad?' said the daisies. "'I'm looking for my brother,' said Tiffany sharply. "'The horrible child who screams for sweeties all the time?' The daisy stems parted, and the boy Roland darted out and joined her under the leaf. "'Yes,' she said, edging away, and feeling that only a sister has a right to call even a brother like Wentworth horrible. "'And threatens to go to the toilet if he's left alone,' said Roland. "'Yes, where is he?' "'That's your brother, the one who's permanently sticky.' "'I told you.' "'And you really want him back?' "'Yes. Why?' "'He's my brother,' Tiffany thought. "'What's why got to do with it?' "'Because he's my brother. Now tell me where he is.' "'Are you sure you can get out of here?' said Roland. "'Of course,' Tiffany lied. "'And you can take me with you?' "'Yes. Well, she hoped so. "'All right. I'll let you do that,' said Roland, relaxing. "'Oh, you'll let be, will you?' said Tiffany. "'Look, I didn't know what you were, all right,' said Roland.' "'There's always weird things in the forest. "'Lost people, bits of dreams that are still lying around. "'You have to be careful. "'But if you really know the way, "'then I ought to get back before my father worries too much.' "'Tiffany felt the second thoughts starting. "'They said, don't change your expression, just check. "'How long have you been here?' she asked carefully. "'Exactly.' "'Well, the light doesn't really change much,' said the boy.' "'It feels like I've been here, oh, hours, maybe a day.' "'Tiffany tried hard not to let her face give anything away, but it didn't work. "'Roland's eyes narrowed. "'I have, haven't I?' he said. "'Er, why do you ask?' said Tiffany desperately. "'Because, in a way, it feels like longer. "'I've only been hungry two or three times, "'and I've been to the, you know, twice, so it can't be very long.' "'but I've done all kinds of things. "'It's been a busy day.' "'His voice trailed off. "'Um, you're right,' said Tiffany. "'Time goes slowly here. "'It's been a bit longer.' "'A hundred years? "'Don't tell me it's a hundred years. "'Something magical has happened, "'and it's a hundred years, yes?' "'What? "'No, no, um, nearly a year.' "'The boy's reaction was surprising. "'This time he looked really frightened. "'Oh, no, that's worse than a hundred years.' "'How?' said Tiffany, bewildered. "'If it was a hundred years, I wouldn't get a thrashing when I got home.' "'Hm,' thought Tiffany. "'I don't think that's going to happen,' she said aloud. "'Your father has been very miserable. "'Besides, it's not your fault you were stolen by the Queen.' She hesitated, because this time it was his expression that gave it all away. "'Was it?' "'Well,' "'There was this fine lady on a horse with bells all over its harness, "'and she galloped past me when I was out hunting, "'and she was laughing, so of course I spurred my horse and chased after her, and... "'He fell silent. "'That probably wasn't a good decision,' said Tiffany. "'It's not bad here,' said Roland. "'It just keeps changing. "'There's doorways everywhere. "'I mean entrances into other um, places,' his voice tailed off. "'You'd better start at the beginning,' said Tiffany. "'It was great at first, said Roland. "'I thought it was, you know, an adventure. "'She fed me sweetmeats.' "'What are they exactly?' said Tiffany. "'Her dictionary hadn't included that one. "'Are they like sweetbreads?' 
I don't know. What are sweetbreads? The pancreas or thymus gland of a cow, said Tiffany. Not a very good name, I think. Roland's face went red with the effort of thought. These were more like nougat. Right, go on, said Tiffany. And then she told me to sing and dance and skip and play, said Roland. She said that's what children were supposed to do. Did you? Would you? I'd feel like an idiot. I'm twelve, you know. Roland hesitated. In fact, if what you say is true, I'm thirteen now, right? Why did she want you to skip and play, said Tiffany, instead of saying, no, you're still twelve and act like you're eight? She just said that's what children do, said Roland. Tiffany wondered about this. As far as she could see, children mostly argued, shouted, ran around very fast, laughed loudly, picked their noses, got dirty and sulked. Any scene dancing and skipping and singing had probably been stung by a wasp. Strange, she said. And then, when I wouldn't, she gave me more sweets. More nougat. Sugar plums, said Roland. They're like plums, you know, with sugar on. She's always trying to feed me sugar. She thinks I like it. A small bell rang in Tiffany's memory. You don't think she's trying to feed you up before she bakes you in an oven and eats you, do you? Of course not. Only wicked witches do that. Tiffany's eyes narrowed. Oh, yes, she said carefully. I forgot. So you've been living on sweeties? No, I know how to hunt. Real animals get in here. I don't know how. Sneebs thinks they find the doorways in by accident. And then they starve to death, because it's always winter here. Sometimes the Queen sends out robbing parties, if a door opens into an interesting world, too. This whole place is like a pirate ship. Yes, or a sheep tick, said Tiffany, thinking aloud. What are they? They're insects that bite sheep and suck blood and don't drop off until they're full, said Tiffany. Yark! I suppose that's the kind of thing peasants have to know about, said Roland. I'm glad I don't. I've seen through the doorways to one or two worlds. They wouldn't let me out there. We got potatoes from one and fish from another. I think they frighten people into giving them stuff. Oh, and there was the world where the drones come from. They laughed about that and said if I wanted to go in there I was welcome. I didn't. It's all red like a sunset. A great huge sun on the horizon and a red sea that hardly moves and red rocks and long shadows. And those horrible creatures sitting on the rocks living off crabs and spidery things and little scribbity creatures. It was awful. There was this sort of ring of little claws and shells and bones around every one of them. Who are they? said Tiffany, who had noted the word peasants. What do you mean? You keep talking about they, said Tiffany. Who do you mean, the people out there? Those? Most of them aren't even real, said Roland. I mean the elves, the fairies. That's who she's queen of, didn't you know? I thought they were small. I think they can be any size they like, said Roland. They're not exactly real. They're like dreams of themselves. They can be as thin as air or as solid as a rock, Sneebs says. Sneebs, said Tiffany. Oh, the little man that just says Sneebs, but real words turn up in your head. Yes, that's him. He's been here for years. That's how I knew about the time being wrong. Sneebs got back into his own world once, and it was all different. He was so miserable, he found another doorway and came straight back. He came back, said Tiffany, astonished. He said it was better to belong where you don't belong than not to belong where you used to belong, remembering when you used to belong there, said Roland. At least I think that's what he said. He said it's not too bad here if you keep out of the Queen's way. He says you can learn a lot. Tiffany looked back at the hunched figure of Sneebs, who was still watching the nuts cracking. He didn't look as though he was learning anything. He just looked like someone who'd been frightened for so long it had become part of his life, like freckles. "'But you mustn't make the Queen angry,' said Roland. "'I've seen what happens to people who make her angry. She sets the bumblebee women on them. Are you talking about those huge women with tiny wings? Yes, they're vicious.' and if the Queen gets really angry with someone, she just stares at them and they change. What into? Other things. I don't want to have to draw your picture, Roland shuddered, and if I did, I'd need a lot of red and purple crayons. Then they get dragged off and left for the drones. He shook his head. Listen, dreams are real here, really real. 
When you're inside them, you're not exactly here. The nightmares are real, too. You can die. This doesn't feel real, Tiffany told herself. This feels like a dream. I could almost wake up from it. I must always remember what's real. She looked down at her faded blue dress, with the bad stitching around the hem, caused by it being let out and taken in as its various owners had grown. That was real. And she was real. Cheese was real. Somewhere not far away was a world of green turf under a blue sky, and that was real. The Knack Mac Fiegel were real, and once again she wished they were here. There was something about the way they shouted, Crivens, and attacked everything in sight that was so very comforting. Roland was probably real. Almost everything else was really a dream, in a robber world that lived off the real worlds and where time nearly stood still and horrible things could happen at any moment. I don't want to know anything more about it, she decided. I just want to get my brother and go home while I'm still angry. Because when I stop being angry, that'll be the time to get frightened again, and I'll be really frightened this time, too frightened to think, as frightened as Sneebs. And I must think. The first dream I fell into was like when a mine, she said. I've had dreams where I wake up and I'm still asleep, but the ballroom, I've never... Oh, that was one of mine, said Roland. From when I was young, I woke up one night and went down into the big hall and there were all these people with masks on, dancing. It was just so bright. He looked wistful for a moment. That was when my mother was still alive. This one's a picture from a book I've got, said Tiffany. She must have got that from me. No, she often uses it, said Roland. She likes it. She picks up dreams from everywhere. She collects them. Tiffany stood up and picked up the frying pan again. I'm going to see the Queen, she said. Don't, said Roland. You're the only other real person here except Sneebs, and he's not very good company. I'm going to get my brother and go home, said Tiffany flatly. I'm not going to come with you then, said Roland. I don't want to see what she turns you into. End of CD 5